0: friends. Emily here, your host of The Missing Piece. Each week we discuss a new topic in fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, and just overall healthy living in the hopes that you'll find the missing piece to your lifestyle. If it's your first episode, welcome to the podcast. And if you're a longtime listener, welcome back. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome to this week's episode of The Missing Piece. In today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the hustle mindset and the idea that just because you're sweating more, that means your workout was better or more superior to another, when in reality, it might not be. In today's day and age, we're surrounded by team no sleep and hashtag no days off. It's tempting to get caught up in the grind. Being busy is glorified and this mindset spills over into fitness. It's true. We wear hard workout as if it's a badge of honor. We talk about how killer the new class was and watch CrossFit athletes perform under the harshest conditions, pushing themselves to the point of complete exhaustion. Now, we indulged on Thanksgiving, and it's tempting to attack this week's workouts with an intense vigor, hoping to burn off bad eating and make up for weekend festivities. But the human body doesn't exist in a vacuum. We can't choose which foods we burn off and shouldn't feel guilty about eating a delicious meal with friends and family. While there's a time and place for workouts that truly push the limits, but this doesn't have to be a daily occurrence. Oftentimes when we think we're overtraining, in reality, we're under-recovering. But regardless, we overlook these activities that may help us recover, but don't make us sweat, as if they're not hard enough or somehow don't count as a workout. Weaving fitness into our lifestyles and improving overall health doesn't mean overworking ourselves in the gym. It doesn't always mean pushing to the point of complete and utter exhaustion. Sweating more is not always equivalent to a better workout. In fact, it almost never is. Before we get into four workout ideas that might not break a sweat, but definitely aren't cheating yourself out of a workout, let's talk about why we sweat. So why do we sweat? There are two types of sweat glands, apocrine and eccrine. The apocrine glands are located in the underarm and groin areas. While it's true they can be triggered by increased body temperature, it's more likely they're triggered by anxiety, stress, and different hormonal changes within the body. In addition to water and sodium, and as well as other substances, these glands also produce bacteria that help break down sweat. This is what causes odor, and why we use deodorant on our underarms. Eccrine sweat glands are located all over the body, with clusters of greater amounts found in the palms of the hands, the soles of the feet, and the head. There are much less on the trunk and extremities. These glands primarily regulate temperature. We all have an average of 2 to 4 million sweat glands, but how much sweat we produce varies greatly between people. Factors that influence the rate of sweat production include genetics, gender, weight, age, fitness level, as well as external air temperature and humidity levels. Those who weigh more may see an increased sweat production because the body utilizes more energy to function, and therefore needs to cool it down. In addition, a person who is more conditioned will likely start sweating earlier in their workouts. They have adapted to regular exercise and are more efficient at cooling the body, allowing them to more easily release heat and work out more intensely for a longer period of time. On a hot, humid day, it's not uncommon to see the scale drop 1 to 2 pounds between pre and post workout, simply due to water loss. But it's important to note we always want to replace these lost fluids with extra water throughout the day. So although sweat can be an indicator of how hot our internal body temperature is or how hard we are working in a given moment, it doesn't tell us how arbitrarily good or bad a workout is for us. There are plenty of workouts, such as stretching or strength training, that may not cause a sharp increase in body temperature, but are still vital components to a balanced workout program. Now let's get into those four ways you might skip the sweat, but definitely aren't skipping a good workout. So first, trade out the cardio. In 2013, nearly 51% of American adults said they wanted to lose weight. Walk through any magazine aisle and you'll see countless advertisements and articles explaining the latest and greatest way to burn fat fast. Here's where exercise, such as cardio, comes into play. Many of the articles focus on cardiovascular activity, because it causes that increased body temperature, leading to greater calories burned in that specific training session or workout. Cardiovascular activities, such as running, walking, or biking, does have endless benefits, and you shouldn't skip it. Some of these include stronger heart and lungs, reduced stress, reduced risk of heart disease, and better sleep. It's an essential component for improving overall heart health. But by incorporating only cardio, And neglecting other forms of training, we're only doing ourselves a disservice. For example, the vast benefits of strength training are often overshadowed by the immediate caloric burn that this cardiovascular activity provides. In the US, the physical activity guidelines for adults ages 19 to 64 are number one, at least 150 minutes of moderate aerobic activity, such as cycling or brisk walking. And, number two, strength training exercises on two or more days per week that works all major muscles. According to the National Health Interview Survey in 2016, 51.7% of adults in the United States within this age range met the physical activity guidelines for aerobic or cardiovascular activity. In comparison, only 21.7% of the same population met the guidelines for both aerobic and muscle strengthening activity. While neither of these statistics are staggeringly high, the 30% difference between the two stands out. In general, we are opting for instant gratification of a higher calorie burn, and we neglect those long-term benefits of exercise, such as strength training. The benefits of strength training, although not seen in that immediate workout or training session, Extend far beyond that 45 minutes or hour. By increasing your lean muscle mass, you'll burn more calories when simply at rest sitting on the couch at home. So ask yourself Have I been neglecting strength training in favor of immediate calories burned in a higher intensity activity, such as running or interval training? If the answer is yes, the fix is easy. Start adding in some strengthening exercises two to three days per week. This can start and be as simple as a body weight circuit at home. With the weather getting colder here in Wisconsin, I know it can be less than appealing to leave the house sometimes. Check out my article on the blog for an at-home strength training body weight workout that you can start with anywhere you are. Exercise your brain while you exercise your muscles. We've already touched on the benefits of adding that strength training into your workout program, but when we're in the gym, Think about each exercise, rep by rep. This intentional focus during exercise presents in two ways. You can think about it internally or externally. Internal attention draws the focus toward the body and how our body is moving through the exercise. External attention draws the focus outwards, relating the movement to the environment in which it's performed. One of my favorite examples is the squat. A coach can either use an internal focus cue, such as, knees out, or an external focus cue, such as, spread the floor, to both prevent the knees from collapsing in towards each other when someone is doing a squat. These cues can be the same thoughts we think about when we're in the gym without a coach cueing us through the form. In the context of strength training, before deciding what to think about during an exercise, it's important to recognize what type of task that is for you. External focus is best suited to performance-based sports, such as powerlifting or weightlifting, where the goal is to enhance performance in a given task. However, research suggests that focusing your attention internally may be more beneficial to both gain and maintain muscle. This is often referred to as the mind-muscle connection, During each movement or exercise, we focus attention internally on the primary muscles working during that exercise. Using our example of the squat from earlier, this may mean we think about squeezing the glutes together throughout the entirety of the movement. Before more research was done, it was thought the attentional focus on a single muscle, the glutes for example, would decrease the activity in the other muscles involved in the actions, such as the hamstrings. But after current research, even though there's higher glute activity, it doesn't show a significant decrease in those other muscles, so you truly are getting the best of both worlds with this internal focus. By mentally engaging with our training, instead of just going through the motions, we may be able to increase the potential benefit from strength training. This is especially true for those lighter weight exercises, so somewhere in that 15 repetition range. It may be particularly applicable if we're just starting out or working with only body weight or lighter weights. By focusing the attention on the muscle we're trying to target, it may be an easy way to increase the benefit without adding heavier weight. It allows us to train with lighter loads, inducing less stress on the body, but still allowing us to get the most out of our workout. So number three, instead of exercising your mind, give it a break. Mindfulness and meditation is a hot topic in the fitness industry today. Apps such as Headspace and Calm are taking off. Establishing consistent morning and night routines, as well as healthy habits, such as meditation or breathing exercises, are talked about in interviews with top performing executives and CEOs. Research suggests that practicing meditation may reduce blood pressure, symptoms of IBS, anxiety, depression, and insomnia. Just 10 minutes of mindfulness can set you up for success for the rest of the day or help you relax and unwind from a stressful day. Another option is to combine this mindfulness with a physical practice in that of yoga. Research on yoga is mixed and difficult to sift through. Between the numerous types of practices as well as the settings in which it's studied, Much of the results can only be applied to very specific populations. For example, those with existing diagnosed anxiety or depression, those who have experienced lower back pain for a set amount of time, etc., etc. However, the benefits of yoga from an anecdotal perspective are numerous stress relief, decreased lower back pain, decreased anxiety, and improved flexibility and coordination are all cited numerous times in different articles. Now, it's important to note, there are countless styles of yoga. So before you try it out, make sure you're choosing one that's right for you, especially if you're looking for a lower intensity workout. Not all yoga is easy. Let's take a look at five of the more popular yoga practices. First is Hatha yoga. This is the most popular style in the Western Hemisphere, and this practice brings elements of all types of yoga and blends them together. In a series of flowing poses, participants are encouraged to move through at a moderate pace, still linking their breath to the specific posture throughout the class. Vinyasa, or power. Based on the more traditional Ashtanga practice, this faster-paced style varies greatly based on instructor. Instead of the strict flow of Ashtanga, it encourages the instructor to create a class based on their personal preferences. The poses will be different, however, the traditional flow of yoga remains the same. Yin yoga. This is a quiet, restorative practice, encouraging the relaxation of muscles in passive poses, allowing gravity to assist in the work. This will focus on very long holds, sometimes up to 2 or 3 minutes. Bikram yoga. One of the more structured options on the list, Bikram yoga is a series of 26 poses performed sequentially and repeated twice. However, the most recognizable aspect is the environment in which it's performed. Bikram yoga is also referred to as hot yoga and performed in a sauna-like room with temperatures as high as 105 degrees Fahrenheit and 40% humidity. This is one of those types of yoga that might not be more relaxing. It'll give you a good workout. Lastly, we have restorative yoga. More relaxed than that of even yin yoga, this style focuses on holds as long as 20 minutes in only 4 or 5 poses. The utilization of props such as blankets bolsters and eye pillows allows participants to truly sink deep into relaxation personally i find that yoga specifically yin yoga when practiced consistently aids in my flexibility and mindfulness throughout the day the slow movement through the poses and longer holds in each as well as the attention to the breath allows me to both relax my mind and stretch simultaneously. If you're looking to try yoga, there are countless resources out there. I personally use YouTube videos. Um, They have short 20-minute yin yoga classes that are amazing. There are also online yoga studios that you can pay to join. And lastly, we can take an active recovery day. We need to make sure we're taking active recovery days within our training program. Similar to how our society is in general terrible at leaving work at work when we leave, the mindset of work harder for more results creeps into our fitness lives as well. We think if we work harder, we work out again, it'll get us to our goals faster. But this couldn't be further from the truth. And although, after hearing this, it's tempting to take a day off and just sit at home watching Netflix hanging out, newer studies suggest that an active rest day may be more beneficial. So what's the difference between an active rest day or an active recovery day and just taking a day completely off? An active recovery day is one in which training is vastly decreased and only very light, submaximal activity is performed. Often this can include walking, foam rolling, recovery forms of yoga, so not that hot yoga or maybe not power vinyasa. Heart rate is kept low and often you won't break a sweat during these workouts, which is why they're overlooked, right? But research and experience has shown that we aren't able to perform at maximum capacity continuously over time. This is why periodization and fluctuating training loads are used in nearly all strength training programs. The lighter loads and deload weeks are included to give the body a rest and enhance both training performance and positive adaptations resulting from strength training, including weight loss, muscle gain, increase in strength, etc. Active recovery is similar to these deload weeks, but on a micro scale. About once a week, we should aim to take a day and rest, but instead of sitting around, incorporate these very low intensity activities, such as yoga or walking. In addition to physical recovery, these will increase your mental health through mindfulness and maintaining focus in the present moment. Personally, my favorite part of an active recovery day is to be able to take it outdoors. If you're used to lifting heavy in the gym, taking a walk on the beach or along a wooded path, can make all the difference mentally. Research has shown that time in the outdoors is linked to improved short-term memory, stress relief, reduced inflammation, improved concentration, so fitness is more than just sweating. Swapping the cardio for weights, exercising your brain, relaxing your mind, or just taking an active recovery day are all integral parts of weaving fitness into your lifestyle. If you took anything from this episode, During the holiday season, don't attack the gym hoping to burn off the calories you've eaten or attack the gym before you eat in hopes that you'll make up for bad eating or poor lifestyle choices. Just approach as you would with anything with moderation. Enjoy food with your family, enjoy time in the gym when you feel like you would like to go to the gym, but don't overdo it on either side. Moderation's always key, and one day of poor eating won't deter you from your fitness goals. Have you fallen victim to the busier is better mindset? I challenge you sometime someone asks how you're doing, answer with something other than busy, I have so much going on, or tired because I'm so busy, etc, etc. Find something else to talk about. So that's all I have for you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in this week on The Missing Piece, and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye.